First Chronicles 14.11 is the master verse for the subject I have for you today. I'm returning to the components of what God spoke to me as your pastor in January. It's a breakthrough year, and we're going to talk about what breakthrough means. For a pregnant woman who conceives and carries a child for the weeks that they're to carry, it's a breakthrough when they birth the child. There's breakthrough in research science that can come against a disease. There have been major breakthroughs in DNA research, breakthroughs in cancer research, breakthroughs, you know, uh, the polio vaccine with Jonas Salk and so forth. There can be a, a breakthrough in a sphere of activity. Uh, a band can have a breakthrough album. A writer of a song can have a breakthrough song. I know a guy that wrote a song just this week and another guy, and I'm just excited about breakthrough in people's lives. Everybody say breakthrough. There can be a breakthrough in our marriages. There can be a breakthrough in our churches. There can be a breakthrough in our nation. Breakthrough in the inner city, the suburbs, the rural areas. We could have breakthrough in church. We could have breakthrough in the kingdom of God. Think about the church going into religious formalism and God visiting the church in the turn of the last century, 1905, and visiting and doing a wonderful thing. Or then again, the inevitable lapse into formalism, and God does a great work in the 1960s and 70s, of which I, I experienced, and I'm a part of that. And God can do it again and again and again. I believe in breakthrough. How many of you have had a breakthrough in your life? Who in here is glad for breakthrough? Amen. Amazing, isn't it? Then you become a catalyst. What does God does to you, he wants to do through you. And it's, I, by the way, I'll tell you, it's never easy, but it's always good. And uh, you can say, well, Pastor Jeff, Jesus said my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the thing about Jesus. You get in that yoke, and the yoke is that wooden apparatus used with oxen or in a farming situation. And God uses that example because the early church people, that was a farming, agricultural-based culture. So he said, man, if you get in the yoke with Jesus... He's got this proverbial broad shoulders. That's what makes it easy. So some of the hard things God's called me to do, I go, wow, uh, it was hard, but it was made less difficult because the Lord Jesus Christ was on it and he brought it through. He's the one that's the great achiever. He's the one that provides abundant life. He's the one that's present to help in the time of need. So he'll help you through your grief process. He'll help you in the decision-making at work. He'll help you through a breakdown in a relationship. He'll help you with your finances when it's all in crazy deficit and he could turn it around and help you and intervene and do a miracle in your body when they say there's no hope for you in a medical term. God can turn these things around. He could divert depression off of you and the obsession with that. He can divert worry and anxiety off of you because God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Everybody say breakthrough. breakthrough. First Chronicles chapter 14, verse 11. I'm going to just highlight this. You should read the whole chapter because the context is that King David realizes the Lord has anointed him to be king. And so he gets really creative and he advances and he gets excited and the kingdom's refining and he's executing purposes and advancing in projects. And the Philistines, the enemy, attacked him at the same time as his advancement. Nothing new. When Jesus started in his earthly ministry, he was tempted by the devil for 40 days in the wilderness. He had to overcome through much tribulation, we enter the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Uh, we fight the good fight of faith. These uh, truths are 
are not just metaphors. We literally are wrestling in a spiritual battle. However, we have the Holy Spirit. However, we have the resurrected Jesus. However, we have the amazing, wonderful, written word of God lavished upon us that's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, and builds our faith. It's the fuel of our faith. So look at this verse, 1 Chronicles 14, 11. So they came up. Now this is David saying, God, what should I do? He said, go fight against them and you'll win. And he went and fought against them. He inquired of the Lord. And so they came up to Baal Perazim and David defeated them there. And David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like the breakthrough of many waters. Therefore, they named that place Baal Perazim. Everybody, let's do a Hebrew lesson. Say Baal Perazim. Now, Baal is a word for master. And so Perazim means breakthrough. And he talks about how he caused him to break through his enemies like through many waters by his own hand. There's a lot to this. But God has a plan for breakthrough but he wants you and me to understand our responsibility to yield and, and rely on his sovereignty and to embrace his power and then exert our faith in correspondence to what he's provided and what he has, in fact, lavished upon us and delegated to us. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How many of you are a believer? You believe in Jesus. You believe God raised Jesus from the dead. You believe he exists and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Keep your hands up, man. Make it a, lock your elbows. Come on, let's wait. If you're happy about it, wave. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for the lordship of Jesus and all that this involves. Thank God we, we serve the master of the breakthrough. And if you're stuck in a situation, I have encouragement for you. You'll get to the other side. And if you've been through many breakthroughs, there are many more for you to have. So don't, don't put it on coast. This is not, we're, not, we're not floating through life on a flowery bed of ease. Nor are we lunging and punching like Barney Fife, uh, you know, just kind of this chicken little, the sky is falling. We are more than conquerors. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who has overcome the world but he that believes Jesus is the Son of God? Right where you're sitting, right as you're thinking, right as what you're pondering on right now, God pays attention and cares about the nuances of each of our lives. He knows the number of hairs on our head. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth looking for people, men and women, whose hearts are completely his, that he may strongly support them. Young people, listen. Man, God, the glory of your life is your strength, the potential you have. You have a lot more life to look forward to, hopes and dreams. Our church needs you. We need your vision. We need your expectancy. We know that you need what we have in terms of our experience. And we want to do our level best as a people to be holistic, to be full spectrum, and to believe God for his purposes to come to pass. Pastor Patsy and I have always had a dream that our church would reflect the community we're in, the range of age, ethnicity, and so forth, socioeconomic, all that kind of stuff. And, and I think if you, if you trust the head of the church, you don't have to try so hard. This gospel of the kingdom has an amazing power. It's attractive. God's word is true. And there's help and hope nowhere else like this. 
Jesus is the King of kings and he's the Lord of lords. He answers prayer. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. You may feel like a bit disappointed, but the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will not be disappointed. People have asked me in, after trials in my life, Are you, did you ever get mad at God? I'm not the guy that gets mad at God because God's been my help. I mean, I know King David kind of got mad and he grumbled and stuff, but God's been my help. When the enemy has come in like a flood, God has raised a standard against me. You know, when I was lost, he left the 99 sheep to go retrieve me. He's been good to me. I could get emotional right now because I'm so grateful to him. And whatever you're facing, and you might feel alone, my Bible says, even if you make your bed in hell, he's there with you. And, and that he'll never leave you nor forsake you, it says in Hebrews chapter 13. And he's abundantly available to help in a time of need. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all of his troubles. Taste and see that the Lord is good. This is epic to me, that at that place, David said, this is called Baal Perazim, master of the breakthrough. I believe theologically when Jesus died and broke out of the tomb and death couldn't hold him, that's the master breakthrough phenomenon of all of the biblical record. When Jesus was raised from the dead, I'm convinced theologically that was, there was more power displayed there than even in creation. And I think creation was so amazing that some people call it the big bang. It was big and there probably was a bang. But I'm telling you, it was let there be light and there was light. Out of nothing came something. You know, they're talking about black holes and all the astrophysicists are so smart. Recently, I got a tremendous email from one of you about your adult daughter who got healed. A neuroscientist graduate of Berkeley in California, married to another neuroscientist graduate of the University of California at San Francisco. Two bastions of tremendous thought, but also liberal thought, and yet alive with God trained up in the way they should go. And actually, they went through a terrible battle. And one person said, well, you're a scientist. Why would you believe? Because there's so much evidence to believe. God is, so hallelujah. There are people in every post and every strata of society that are not backing down, that haven't bent their knee to bail, and that believe that with God, all things are possible. Everybody say, master of the breakthrough. He is inclined to help us. He's called a helper, and the Holy Spirit is called another helper. That means we have help from every side. We're not left helpless. Hallelujah. Before I turn to Acts chapter 8 and 9, I want to show you the definition as I saw it in the dictionary for breakthrough. It's an instance of achieving success in a particular sphere of activity. The in instance of achieving success in a particular sphere of activity. Has anyone ever had a breakthrough achievement of some kind in some area, work or home or school or some kind of event in your life or sport or some, you pitched a 96 mile per hour fastball like I frequently do, that kind of thing. Or like my brother, almost bowling a perfect bowling game, almost. How, ma how, how many of you say, I've had some breakthroughs in my life, raise your hands. How many of you say, man, I've had notable breakthrough in my life, wave. Now, I want you guys to get encouraged with your peripheral vision of those hands acknowledging through their testimony that I've had something good happen to me. How many of you believe it was the Lord? Yeah. Yeah. I pity the atheist who doesn't 
have anybody to thank at a beautiful sunset or at an event of life that just transpires for the good. And so I believe on your personal level, on our family levels, on that which concerns us, and then on our church body, on our community, the bi-state area, our country, our era we're in. I believe in God. The word will go forth. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached to every nation, and then the end will come. Uh, things are clicking, and we're, there's never been a generation closer to the end times than we are. And we don't get all hyped up. We just get acclimated and go, man, this is my time. I want to make the most of my time because the days are evil. I mean, just the tragedy in El Paso, Texas, and then in Ohio, just in a short period of time, underscores the necessity for us to understand God as the master of breakthrough, to understand and not, to not look at life in a fatalistic way, but realize sin is present and it causes people evil and that, that God, Jesus was sent to save sinners and there's salvation in no other. Jesus is Lord, and it's time, high time for the church to be equipped for every good work, to stand stronger than ever, to believe God for their destiny, the purpose of God, and for breakthrough. Come on. You hear that? Jesus' name. It's also a sudden, dramatic, and important discovery or development. I want to talk to you about how it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, and that in Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about uh, we're not to cast away our confidence, which has a great reward. For eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered the heart of man the things God has prepared for those who love him. What that is mainly talking about is the amazing revelation we'll see when we get to the other side. But I would have despaired unless I had believed. I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I, from the time I become a Christian, I've been taught that this is applicable for the difficult here and now. It's not only for the sweet by and by, but it's for the here and now. And while we can't claim everything and change everything, the world is under the power of the small d devil. He's the small g God of this world, according to 2 Corinthians 4, a temporary condition. He will, the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath our feet. We can't reclaim the business world totally. We can't reclaim the government world totally, the media world totally, arts and entertainment totally, sports totally, family totally, religion totally. But we can advance the gospel as best we can. We can pray the prayer of faith with intent and purpose. We can live as an example and walk this thing in genuineness and authenticity and trust that God will cause change round about us. You're anointed like a catalytic converter in your new car with a little film of beautiful, precious platinum. It turns noxious vapor, photochemical smog, into harmless vapor. And there's a chemical reaction that can come from a toasty, anointed, bright, Jesus-centered Christian. You ever been called toasty before? <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm the product of running into genuine Christians at a critical turning point in my young life. I didn't drink any Kool-Aid. I wasn't mesmerized by groupthink. I didn't get in there and fall off a cliff like a lemming. But I did encounter wide-awake, genuine Christians like you guys doing what you're doing in the midst of your kind of life, coming and saying, man, this is my conclusion. Jesus changed my life. 
the Vietnam veteran who had come out of heroin addiction and got dishonorably discharged and tried Eastern religion and, and was unfaithful to his wife and all that era of the breakdown of the morals of America and he ruined his marriage and yet he turned and looked at me and he said, Jesus changed my life. And that went right over my head. I had no point of reference on it. I was in a secular home. We believed in the good Lord, but that was about it. Madeline O'Hare made sure we couldn't pray in school and scolded the astronauts for reading Genesis up in the heavens. So then uh, when Buzz Aldrin uh, broke out communion elements from his Presbyterian pastor and Neil Armstrong sat and watched him, that they wouldn't even broadcast it until 50 years later we find out that the first meal on the moon was uh, Holy Communion. Some one badgering voice shut it up. So one voice like a Billy Graham can speak for almost you know, 80 years of ministry, and it can reverberate your voice. Can I tell you? I'm not the product of Billy Graham's voice. I'm not the product of a mega church. I am the product of God drawing by his spirit, God answering a grandmother's prayers, God answering my desperate prayers. God, if you're real, show me. Kids, you could pray for your parents and grandparents. Kids, you could pray for the United States of America. You could pray for Europe. You could pray for South America. You could pray. And when you pray, you can change the course of things by the power of what God does through your bold prayers of faith. Prayer gets results. And there are some people in here who sacrifice. There's a guy over there who prays, and he's the man of prayer. I watch him pray and pray. Some things get pushed through that we just have to understand. In order to get a breakthrough, We've got to press into this thing. Everybody say, I'm pressing in. Two verses in the book of Acts, chapter 8 and chapter 9. And I'm going to show you about advancement. And I'm going to show you something that is very practical in the daily steps of our lives. In the Psalms, it says the steps of a man are ordered by the Lord. And when we submit to the Lordship of Jesus and we walk with his word, and we endeavor to be led by his Holy Spirit, we are to expect some wonderful things. We're to expect some wonderful things. And God will open up a door, and God will give us favor. And I like what David said. He caused a breakthrough by my own hand. Some of you, you know, you're here, you're learning, and uh, you're not waiting around for something to happen. You're exerting your faith, you're standing on the promises, you're praying in faith. And uh, you'll have a testimony. The Lord caused me to prevail in the breakthrough by my own hand. That sounds, does that sound egotistical? Does it sound like it's a prideful boast on the part of David? No, because he said it was the Lord that he did it through his hand. That's like Moses, what's in your hand? It was a staff, stretch it forth. There's just so much to this that we need to understand that what God does to us, he wants to do through us. I know somebody who was depressed, they overcame depression, and they've turned around and they've delivered people from depression. They've become deliverers, why? Because they became sensitive to the malady of it and the fact that they, there's potential to get out of it. And you become aware. Some of the great healers in the area of addiction came through it themselves. The pain of it, the shame of it, the embarrassment, the hurt of the family and so forth, the expenditures and all the failure. So they're so sensitive to it that they become champions and God rarely extracts healers from the ranks of the unscarred. So every one of us, we've been through some stuff. Acts chapter 8, verse 29. Acts chapter 8. It's interesting. A guy named Philip the Evangelist uh, is out and about. And if, just for context, 
Saul of Tarsus has gleefully held the coats of the people stoning Stephen, the deacon who stood and proclaimed the history of Israel in the context of Jesus Christ and was stoned for the faith and elicited a standing ovation from Jesus. He stood and he saw the heavens open and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And Saul of Tarsus, this is the first introduction of Saul who becomes Paul, the dear writer of so much of the New Testament. He was so mean and hard. Never give up on any atheists or agnostics or any haters. They might be another Paul the Apostle. Pray for them. The early church prayed for him. Pray for those who despitefully use you. There was a great move of God because there was so much persecution that it was like pouring water on a grease fire. And instead of stopping the fire, it spread the fire out and people went out witnessing everywhere while Saul was ravaging the church. Philip, as they were all scattered, preached the word and proclaimed Christ and he's walking along, he's casting out demons, he runs into somebody that's in witchcraft that takes authority over it. And then, as we go, amazing and major things are taking place in the, in the early, embedded in the early part of chapter 8. Then it gets to verse 25, uh, where there's an introduction to an Ethiopian eunuch. He is an official from northern Africa, who is a, a court official who works for Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. Now, if you study history, even today, the Coptic Church and the Ethiopians are many, many believers of Ethiopian background. And I've, entered, I've, I've talked to many people from Ethiopia and Eritrea, and there still are vestiges and, and lingering tones from this moment to today. Hallelujah. And Philip is walking along, and look what it says here. It says in verse 26, that an angel spoke to him and said, get up and go south on the road that descends from Jer Jerusalem to Gaza. And then it says here in parentheses, this is a desert road. So here's a guy having great results, and then the Lord prompts him, get on up here and walk down the dusty road. And he's walking along between a great blessing and anticipating a blessing and a breakthrough, and he's just kind of walking along a desert road. What's a desert road? It's deserted. It's dusty. It doesn't have water fountains on the sides. Doesn't have 7-Eleven and Slurpees. Doesn't have a steak and shake. Doesn't have five guys. It's just a dirty, dusty road. And doesn't have much sensory verification. They're just, they were spreading everywhere and seeing signs and wonders. He was casting demons out of the occultists and seeing great results. But now he's in a transitional moment, but about to have a great breakthrough. A breakthrough that would change an aspect of civilization to this day. So he's on the desert road. Everybody say, this is a desert road. What I've learned in my Christian walk is God makes a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And during the times you and I, we have lapsed through seasons where it was like, wow, man, you could, there's so much of the presence of God, you could cut it with a knife and there's so much fruit. There's so many great exploding verifications. This is awesome. And then there are times where it's a desert road. Nevertheless, God never changes. And God took Philip from one point to the next and introduced him to the Ethiopian eunuch. And he was up on this chariot. And in the famous verse 29, then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Go up and get with that guy. Here's a guy reading the scrolls. It's like he's sitting on his smartphone and he's Googled Isaiah. And he's reading about the prophet Isaiah, scratching his head, trying to figure out the interpretation of it. Philip comes up, and Philip, by the way, verse 30, ran up. I like that. 
And that's what David did. He ran to the battlefield. He ran. We, we've been finding, Pastor Patsy and I, you just got to get up and run after this stuff. And John Maxwell said, pick your pain, either the pain of stagnation or the pain of growth. You just sometimes got to sprint. Your little bony legs underneath you just going like cartoons, like a blur. Because we're strong to the finish because we eat our spinach. Right? Say this with me. I am what I am by the grace of God. Same Holy Spirit that helped Philip is available to help us. He joined this chariot. He was asking him questions. I, I don't understand this. Philip began to speak to him. He said, how can I get it if nobody guides me? Verse 31. People are sheep without a shepherd. They need to know what the truth is. We are called to be ambassadors for Christ and carry the gospel. David fought a battle with the Philistines and had a breakthrough. Philip is fighting against unbelief by preaching the gospel, and he has a breakthrough. And what happens is he shares the scriptures and then the eunuch says in verse 36, please tell me, there's water. What would prevent me from being baptized? And so he was saved, gloriously saved. And again, next time you meet an Ethiopian, have a conversation with them about their area and listen to the amazing things the Lord is still doing among them 2,000 years later from that event. Hallelujah. Everybody say breakthrough. breakthrough. Knowing, growing, showing, and going that we might know him. We might be in the know, a spirit of wisdom and revelation and a clear knowledge of him, sensitized to the voice of the Holy Spirit, not spooky, not flaky, not whipping it up, not dependent on people throwing personal prophecies at us. We're not led by personal prophecies. Those are for edification, exhortation, and comfort. They're helpful, to be sure. The main thing in the New Testament is God leads us by his Holy Spirit with his word. The Old Testament, there was some example of a stronger emphasis on the prophet's ministry. In the New Testament, it's the ministry of the word. It's the leadership and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Join this chariot. While you're on the dirt path, don't give up. While you're in between things, keep believing God. Keep trusting God. And uh, here's what happens. Philip ministers and gets a great result. The Ethiopian eunuch is radically saved. Acts chapter 9. Saul of Tarsus now is on the road to Damascus. See, one road is a desert road. He's on the road to Damascus. We're all on a road. We're all on a journey. We're all going forward. And Saul is breathing insults against, and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Terrible. Doesn't look like a good candidate for apostolic ministry and Bible writing. And yet, the church is required to pray for those who despitefully use them. And so I'm convinced there was great teamwork of prayer for this man. And he has a visitation. Well, he is trying to stop Christianity in its tracks. And in verse 3, 4, 5, it's a famous Damascus Road experience. A light flashed around him from heaven. He fell to the ground. He was asked with a voice booming from the heavens, why, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Jesus takes issue, therefore, when people mess with the church as though they were picking on him. And he said, Get up, enter the city, and it will be told to you what you must do. That is holy. That verse 6 is the vitamin nutrition that you've been a bit deficient in, that I feel as your pastor responsible as a nutritionist to get this to you. Two examples. While Philip was walking on a desert road, just keep walking. Now join that chariot. Saul is walking against the grain kicking against the goats, 
resisting what the Lord's dealing with, and yet God could turn him around. Aren't you glad God has turned around power for people? We keep praying for people. And he says, now get up and go to the town, and it will be told you what you must do. Pastor Patsy and I were talking about this. I so believe in this concept that there was a period of time in our young lives where we were in England, the country of England, quite a bit. We were preaching in England. We had befriended and and connected with some people in the 70s who uh, had a profound influence on our young lives. They were matriarch patriarchs in in radio broadcast in England. They started an amazing radio broadcast. They embraced us. The daughter got baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit by the Sea of Galilee, and we've been friends ever since. We had an open door into England. We were going to live there. We were friends with the leader of the Elam Pentecostal Church and the Assemblies of God, and we had just amazing favor, open doors in the Methodist churches, the Anglican churches. It was a wonderful thing. We were on the flow, and the Lord reminded us, well, yeah, that's great, but I told you to build a home base in Chesterfield from which to reach the nations of the world. And I remember fasting and praying for three days at a place called Christian Cottage in England. I went to a city, and it was told to me what I must do. And it was go back there and build and do what I've called you to do. So we've lived on that for these years. Paul, he said, go to such a town, and it'll be showing you what you must do. Now, in the meantime, God is stirring up a man named Ananias. And Ananias, he's, God is telling him, I want, there's a guy named Saul. I want you to lay hands on him and pray for him. And he's go, he had a talk with God. God, hey, uh, in case you didn't know, this guy's been persecuting. He was there when they killed Stephen. This guy's a jerk. And God's like, oh, thank you. I didn't know that. <laughs> like, like, you know. And God said, go. He said, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine, and I'll show him what he must do. And he's called to the Gentiles and their kings and the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and I'll show him what things he must suffer for my name's sake. Go pray for him. So he laid hands on him. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Scales fell from his eyes. Then we end up with Paul the apostle. And the Ethiopian eunuch is heroic to me. What came from his lineage? The people, the times I get with the elegant Ethiopian and Eritrean people, I think about that. And they're such a precious people group. Consistently, I've had just, I've enjoyed such a fascinating interaction with them. And I think about what God did through the Apostle Paul. He's one of my favorite guys. I I feel like he's my friend. I feel like he's part of our church. You know, he's like, hey, hey, Paul, you know. You know, he's dead, but he still speaks. And it's like, look what God did to him. So one of the definitions for breakthrough is a step in the right direction. A step in the right direction. Would you guys agree that Philip had a step in the right direction when he said, hey, go over into this area, and he did. And then he got out on the desert road. Oh, man, if God really loved me, why would he let me be walking on this desert road? Because occasionally we have to go between point A and point B, and it looks a little bit bleak. But some of the greatest miracles Jesus ever had was when he did something amazing like the Beatitudes, and then he was going to do something else. And along the way, the blind Bartimaeus said, help me, Jesus. And the disciples are, hey, he's going from point A to point B. But disciples like us now, they're not necessarily familiar with the value of the desert road and the potential all the way along the way. I like Oral Roberts. He started a school in between the healing revival of the 1950s and the Jesus movement and the charismatic renewal of the 1970s. And he started a school. And I thought, here's a guy who wasn't even fully uh, had the advantage of education himself, had tuberculosis as a child, got involved with all these big, amazing healing things. 
and was in a desert lull, and yet, led by the Holy Spirit, put his hands to the plow, birthed a wonderful, spirit-filled university that is still championing bringing Jesus into every man's world. Are you guys with me? Philip led the Ethiopian unit to the Lord. Saul got the revelation to go to a place, and it was in order to meet a guy named Ananias who was conflicted, who didn't even want to follow through and talk to him. But God talked him into obeying. The steps of a man are ordered by the Lord. What does that mean? Everything we do, we could be stubborn, and we could keep turning and going and swaying all over the place. But if we do this, okay, God, the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Right before that, he said, hey, get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. It's a desert road. Abraham, go to a land you know not. God will assemble a house like this to be a house of prayer for the nations. God will bring individuals like us together that otherwise would not have even met. Some are from Ellisville, some are from St. Charles, some are from all the way over in, uh, in uh, Kirkwood and, and Webster. And you hear, we're all here together. Some just moved in from out of town, and this might be, you've Googled us and found us, and here you are. Our steps are ordered by the Lord. And as we stay yielded to this and open to this, the possibilities for this could be tremendous fruitfulness, i.e. breakthrough, an instance of achieving success in a particular sphere of activity, a sudden, dramatic, and important discovery or development, a step forward, an advancement, a development, a quantum leap, success, discovery, improvement, a step in the right direction. You will have to deal with challenges. It is not idealized. It's trippy how much battle and attack there can be. But having done all to stand, we stand. So let's get up on our feet. Hallelujah. I want you to turn and look at somebody and say, you are more than a conqueror. Look at somebody else next to you and say, you're in a breakthrough situation. You're in a breakthrough situation. You're in a breakthrough situation. Nudge somebody next to you and say, we serve the master of the breakthrough. Now, practical. God orders our steps. Let's be led by the Holy Spirit. Let's lift up our hands and say, Father, help me to be sensitive to your promptings. I will yield. I will respond. I will flow. When you tell me to pray, I'll pray. If you tell me to talk to somebody, help me to do a good job. Help me not to be obnoxious, irritating or rude. Help me to be effective. I trust you for amazing breakthrough. In Jesus' name. Amen.